This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. Takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. Hello and welcome to the carousel. Um, I have with me today Meta Prime. You've probably seen him around if you're in our Twitter world. Welcome, Meta. Thanks for having me on. So Meta is is a great content creator. He has a very cool feed where he uses a lot of very beautiful mid-journey images, uh, (laughs) which I love. And, you know, all around great guy, um, connecting people in our scene and helping people do what he calls um, break out or break free from the mainstream delusion. And then he's providing uh, people with kind of a framework or a, you know, breadcrumb trail of what to do once you've done that, how to fit in, how to stay healthy in your being. Um, one thing I actually also really like is your Twitter bio says writing code for the human machine, which I think is really <laughs> cool too. So uh, welcome Meta. And yeah, tell us, tell us first, what, what does it mean to break free from the mainstream delusion? Yeah, no, great question to start with. And yeah, thanks, Isaac, for having me on here. Um, so yeah, so the way the way that I think about this is that the mainstream is Nietzsche used to talk about the herd and the herd morality. And I think that the very much we have that in our mainstream today is we have this kind of unnatural inverted hierarchy of you know, valuing people we shouldn't necessarily value, you know, putting, you know, depravity and, um, you know, uh, and just kind of consumerism and all of these kind of very material things as uh, what people should aspire to. But I think a lot of people realize that this isn't a meaningful way to live their lives. They see a lot of other problems in, in the mainstream kind of lies, obfuscation, you know, business people taking advantage and profiting off, uh, you know, mainstream ignorance, and they they want to break from that. But the problem that presents itself is, okay, well, you're escaping from this mainstream delusion. What do you escape to? What is actually a healthy way of living your life? What do you orient yourself towards? Uh, what do you find you know value in? And I think this is why you go on Twitter, there's a lot of people who are talking a lot about philosophy. They're talking about you know eating well, uh, working out, Right, how to have good, you know, romantic relationships, um, and fundamentally, what all of that is trying to get at is how do you orient and live your life well. And um, my problem that I had, so I, you know, I grew up uh, very much uh, behind enemy lines, so to speak. I was very immersed in that uh, mainstream delusion, and so was a lot of my my family and my friends. And so breaking from that, it was very difficult for me to find a good way to orient myself. I didn't really have people to talk to and going online. There's just so much noise, right? There's so many different uh, things. People get really far down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, or they get really zealous, uh, zealous about, you know, certain spiritual beliefs. And it's really hard to understand what is true and what is actually valuable. And so what I try to do is provide 
a, a basic framework. I'm not saying, hey, you have to believe you know this, that, or the other thing. But if you're going on this journey uh, towards what I call you know the parallel movement, it's a term that's starting to pop up a little bit more. If you're kind of on this parallel path, what is a healthy way of approaching that? How should you think about it? What's a good framework? So I have a section of my website. It's called The Journey. And that's focused on, uh, there's five steps to that. You have your initial awakening phase, then you build your framework that's understanding what new foundational truth you believe in and how you start to interpret reality. The, the third step is going through self-improvement, trying to make yourself the best version of yourself, then getting into creation. And you see a lot of people do this. They you know start putting out articles on the timeline. And that's just as valuable to teaching other people as it is to kind of honing your own beliefs and understandings. And then you also start to connect with people who kind of pick up on the same same vibe that you're on. And then finally, it's about world improvement. So trying to go out there and trying to do things in the world that you think will, you know, make the future better for humanity largely, but also for yourself and for your for your children. Okay, so let's get, get these steps. Awakening, mm-hmm. then number two is the framework building. Framework building. Yeah. Then three is self-improvement. Then four is creation, and then five is world betterment, right? Yes. It's, you yeah. know, it's what's really funny is like I do these branding workshops with people mm-hmm. all the time or with brands, and it's actually quite similar. You know, it's actually mm. quite, I mean, I do the most work on step two, which I, where, what I'm really wanting you to hear more about is like, you're finding the singular principle or the one thing. Like that's what I always try to get people to do is find the one, I call it single-minded message, Mm. uh, which is a a word that is used in our world. But um, yeah, so it actually sounds quite similar. So I'm fascinated. Walk me through the steps a little bit. Like what, what is the, uh, what's the, what's the word that nerds use all the time? What's the heuristic of uh of each step you know like what is what is number what happens in number one yeah so so for me that the awakening moment so a lot of people and you see that people make this mistake all the time right is they they get you know red pilled or awakened or whatever you want to call it and they they get stuck in what i call like a second matrix they just they're hating on the system they're like ah this this thing was controlling me. It was deluding me. It was poorly orienting me. And now I'm just mad. I'm just going to put this kind of like hate on the timeline. I'm going to try to like tear that thing down. And I understand that reaction is very common reaction. A lot of us had, right. But it's, it's a poor way to orient yourself. Uh, One of the articles that I have up there um, in in the strategy section is called live, not in opposition to evil, but pursuit of good. And basically what I'm saying there is you, you can't, mold your life around, you know, hating this bad structure, what you really should be doing is going out and creating good structures, right? Um, And this goes for yourself, really, the awakening is it's a realization that you no longer have to live by these, these standards that are established in the herd morality, you can define for yourself, what is valuable, what, you know, what do you want to orient yourself towards? What are your own higher ideals that really actually resonate with you? Right. And so that's really what the the second stage that framework building is about is, okay, well, I no longer have faith in these mainstream institutions to tell me what is good. So where do I put that faith? Where is that truth? Um, you know, because that's what we want is we we don't want to feel like we're living a life kind of untethered. We we need to have these values to orient ourselves around. And the so the the point that I make in the framework building um, section is that 
a lot of this knowledge is embedded in our traditions and our culture and our religion. Um, I, I make this uh, point in another article about natural ideals. So basically, you can think about this. You're, you're saying that this structure of the journey is very similar to how you approach branding. I don't think things like that are a coincidence. I think it's yeah. largely because the structure of reality lends itself to certain strategies you know, coming from that structure and being prevalent across all of these different disciplines. And so similarly, so, so that, that, that core element is what I call a natural ideal. It's, it's uh, something that in essence is like a good blueprint, uh, blueprint, a good structure. And if you can understand that, then the, the next step is really to adapt it to the current environment, the current metagame that you're in. Right. And so framework building is just about finding what these Lindy ideas, these things that have existed for a long time, you know, good family values, um, you know, trying to build things you believe in, being healthy. Um, a lot of this uh, philosophy is also embedded in uh, another article I have on what I call naturalism, which is um, grounding an ideology and natural objective truth. Um, and so once you've kind of established that, right, then that can tell you how best to to orient yourself, what, what to pursue, right? If you know that, you know, it's, it's worth pursuing uh, higher quality things, right? Like becoming more healthy, uh, physically fit, going out there, creating businesses that are going to generate value for people. Cause it, this is a, another big thing in the mainstream is we're, we're kind of like, you know, told all the time, it's really bad to aspire to power, right. To aspire to, create or to become wealthy because, you know, oh, wealthy people are evil and they're bad. But I think that that is largely used to keep well-intentioned people from pursuing these higher things because, you know, if you've kind of established them and create this connotation that they are bad, then good people don't want to be seen as bad. So they'll shy away from, to, from doing that. But that's what we need is we need people who have a, you know, that good morality, that good conscience to pursue gaining more resources, gaining more influence so that they can help, you know, other people, they can tell other people, um, you know, so, so that's no, no vows of poverty, no vows of poverty in our, uh, in our world, <laughs> which I agree with, by the way, mm. I find yeah. that vows of poverty are completely retarded. Like why? I don't know who <laughs> came up with that. Uh, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I, I think that uh, I, you know, a lot I know a lot of artists in L.A. and elsewhere who have mm. that vow of poverty vibe, right? Like mm. they um, there's people in our space even. I mean, at least at least adjacent. It's definitely much more of a lefty um, instinct, sure. you know, <clears throat> um, but I do know a lot of people who think who say, like, I am foregoing comfort so I'm just going to do drugs and like sit in my shitty apartment and like make <laughs> art, but, but I'm going to be an artist. And it's amazing yeah. how many people think how, that that's sexy. Like a yeah. lot of people really believe that that is sexy. Whereas to me, that's just like, <laughs> that's for like suburban kids, you know, like, yeah. like that, that's for kids who just don't really know. I mean, I was fortunate that I grew up with vow of poverty type artists. So I like, saw how stupid it is and how not <laughs> not romantic it is you know but yeah. but i do think on the other side of that what's really interesting is for a very long time we had this view of artists as 
impoverished, right? It was mm. like that. It was something that we, that was just sort of like th- what we expected. It's pretty until they got famous, and then, then they're rich, right? And then, then we get to, we get yeah. to uh, be happy when they do too many drugs and fall from <laughs> grace, right? And then we're all like, oh well, that's what happens. You know, we love who who said best? Like Americans love. Uh, the, building you up and then they love seeing you destroyed. That's their favorite yeah. thing. Um, whereas now, you know, I'm seeing all the guys in our space and what's really fascinating is like, we're all artists that are doing this kind of in a different way. You know, I mean, like in history, you know, who's a per- perfect example of this Jeff Coons. Do you know who Jeff Coons is? I'm not familiar with that. That so guy, Jeff no. Koons is like like the number one pop artist in the world. Have you ever seen the balloon dogs? Like the big yeah. balloon dog. Uh-huh. That's Jeff Koons. Jeff Koons is like the greatest living artist, or not not greatest, but maybe the most famous and like the most high set, most. It's probably the most expensive. And <laughs> yep. uh, he was a banker, you know, like he was a fucking Wall Street banker, and then he went and started making art, which is really like a different trajectory. And I think that. Uh, our next era is going to be artists who are really coming at this from a, a non-starving artist type of way. Yeah. Well, I, I think that the problem that most people um, kind of d- like aren't aware of or the dimension that they're not thinking about it on is, um, and I have another article slated to be finished. It's called the, 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 the duality game, something like that. And it's the idea is that we live both in a material and a spiritual world. And I think a lot of Anons, a lot of people who believe like we do, they basically look at the material and they see all the corruption that exists in it. And they're like very turned off by that. They're very disgusted by it. And so they think that the path forward is to just kind of immerse themselves in the spiritual aspect of things, to live towards these higher ideals. And I, and I certainly think that that's good to realize the value of a spiritual life. But the problem becomes well, we're still in the material world. We're still grounded here. And, you know, it's one of those things where um, I make this point about technology all the time. It's like somebody out there is going to create AI and do crazy things with CRISPR and all of this kind of stuff. If we are to be competitive, we we still need to play that game, right? This is why, you know, when people like question what Elon's doing with Neuralink, I'm kind of like, you know, let him cook. Like of all the people who could be creating the, you know, the thing that taps into your brain, <laughs> right? Like I, I trust Elon way yeah. more than a lot of other people. I'm not ever going to get that thing, right? But um, but like to me, you need to, co- to compete. And so that's kind of I think that the conclusion you realize is, look, I'm not going after these things because I am just interested in power and control. To me, it's we need to play the material game in order for us to win kind of in both the material and the spiritual. And and I think that's the point for me when when I think of like art or when I think of business, it's like, great, I can have an ideal for what I want to achieve in, in with my art and with my content, with my business, but I also, it needs to be profitable and it needs to be successful. And, you know, I, and you know, even Peterson back in when he was actually, you know, producing bangers as opposed to how, how much he's fallen off now, one of the points he makes too is like, you want people with good talent in control of resources, right? You think of Elon Musk, right? And how successful and how rich he is. And sure, a lot of times we look at rich people, we're like, oh, you know, they're not doing good stuff with their money. Like 
the, a good functioning hierarchy puts people who have good ideas, good intentions, who are admirable yeah. and responsible, it tries to elevate them so they can have more of an influence. And that's basically what I see with uh, trying to aspire to, you know, material, material wealth. Material wealth. And this is, this is why yeah. I always, you know, I know that people don't like this, but I, I always appreciate the gangster rappers. You know, I mean, the gangster rappers completely took over the world because they understood this. You know, they I mean, they came from so little that it's not surprising. But I think the reason that mm. both their content took over the world and their systems took over the world, which they did, is that everybody mm. got fucking rich. You know, everybody got rich on this shit. And that was like the point. Mm. You know, the point was everybody get rich on this <laughs> art. And it was like, that's great. And I, I just think that, um, uh, yeah, it, our our side really struggles with this, you know, because so many of our leaders mm. are academics um, yep. and they have this purity uh, and they're very, you know, they're they're very disagreeable people. And and so they uh, anytime anybody's trying to make any money, it's gross. And I think that that's just so dumb, you know, I mean, it's like so dumb to <laughs> view it that way because yeah. the, the people, you know, I had a guy, Sean Monahan on my podcast last time. He was like, people don't have enough stuff. You know, people want stuff. They want like, they like, you know, uh, they want to have stuff in their cities. They want stuff in their homes. And um, that's what communism gets wrong. It thinks that, you know, it, it takes seriously the best things in life for free, which is not true. <laughs> you know, and I think yeah. that like uh, our our side, um, it, it uh, it's funny that we're the right wing ones, because actually, when it comes to money, we're much more pure than the left. Yeah. Well, is you know, it's interesting you bring this up, right? Because every time someone says uh, kind of identifies me as as right wing it's it's not that I think that that that's a that's a bad way of uh, of expressing because I definitely have what people in the mainstream if they, they just kind of like sat me down and I just told them everything they believe they did probably codify me as right just because you know, I believe very much in like traditional values I'm very grounded in a that's the the whole idea of naturalism I'm grounded in this objective reality aspect of things I think a lot of the problems that we're seeing with the with the left is they've become too divorced from reality. They're trying to create this utopian subjective value kind of vision for things. And I'm much more like, no, we need to be grounded in reality. But for me, the reason that I wrote the article on naturalism was because I also think that we do need a balance between like classical right and classical left. We need people who are going to conserve traditions, but we also need people who are going to innovate. And, and I think this is a big part that we get wrong. It's the, the main thesis behind um, the, the death of the trad wife ideal, right? Is you have a lot of people in our space and they're like, oh man, we just need to bring back trad wives. And, you know, the fifties, you know, woman was so great. And it's like, sure, that was a great uh, man ideal but it was in that time period now we live in a different time period and so we can't bring that back because it's just not going to work inside the, the meta game of of uh, our current structural uh societal structure we yeah. need to take that natural ideal we need to find some way to to adapt it um and yeah. so similarly 
you know, when, when, when people, you know, and you're, you're already talking about it, right. You're saying like, oh, you know, it's weird because like a really ex- easy example is this is like, you know, you have guys like Ren who are like really into like, let's get into regenerative farming and like drink the raw milk and, and chug the raw eggs. And, you know, and you would have thought of that as a very hippy dippy kind of yeah. philosophy, you know, not so long ago. Yeah. And, and so I think claiming this kind of objective, natural, uh, high ground, right? You're basically saying, look, I'm not right. I'm not left. I'm just practical <laughs> and realistic and grounded yeah. in reality and nature. And that's what, what I think we really need to be thinking about is how do we appeal to, to everyone on, on both sides? How do we create language where you know we're not so right-wing coded that anyone from the left is going to look at our stuff and be like, I just reject it out of hand? Because I think we have so many good ideas that would help people achieve a much more meaningful state, a much more kind of natural state of being. And and I think that they are intrinsically resonant. They're thing ideas that if we put them out in the right way with the right branding, right, people would would like that stuff. They would would gravitate towards it. So um yeah, so that's like a little bit on 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 that. But to, to go well, back to how do you our... define naturalism? Yeah, uh, great question. I'm kind of uh, bouncing around on my site as we talk about this stuff because uh... yeah, I'm looking at it too. It looks really <laughs> but I so, actually don't see any of the articles out here yet. Are they are they here? Some of them, some of them. So yeah. for for the journey, I have to I have to write the more specific ones. They're all in like some different levels of uh, finished uh, inside my my uh, my computer drive here. But um, when it comes to naturalism, the, you know, the first argument that I make and c- kind of already made it a little bit already is that um, we have to there's a very big power to, to controlling language or to creating language. And the left already knows this. They, they create a lot of things like, you know, like uh, you think of like mansplaining. Right. It's it's just like that's just being con. Well, if it in it in its if you had like um, a good faith interpretation is that's being patronizing. Right. And, um, but, but I think, you know, obviously it's coded to make people feel like, oh, you know, men are always patronizing and stuff like that. So trying, trying to move away from that. Um, so with naturalism, you know, if we can take a lot of these, uh, ideas that are had in the space that are really good universal ideas, like, you know, eat healthy, work out, like value, good traditional relationships and all of these kinds of things. And we can code it or we can capture it in a new brand. That's that's really what that's about. Uh, the, the other thing too is you don't want to represent your ideas um, disingenuously, right? This is a, an interesting thing. Like uh, when you think about like meeting girls at bars or something like that, you go to a bar, you don't want to pretend to be someone you think that girl's going to like because say you're successful, right? Now you're in a relationship with a girl who thinks you're someone else and doesn't really love you for who you are, right? Like that's not good. So I, I very much try to be kind of earnest in the way that um, I express these ideas, right? So, it's, you know, because people will always think, oh, you're you're playing around with how you communicate. You must be manipulating people. And for me, it's like, no, communication is inherently really difficult. And so if I, I'm going to use all the, all the kind of strategies and tactics that I can to more effectively convey what I mean. Uh, and so in my mind, the reason you pick the word, I picked the word naturalism is because I'm claiming that natural foundation, right? That objective truth. So that's the first part is just, you know, why, why the branding and the terminology. 
And then the second part is natural naturalism is based in my mind on three things. It's one, the world that we inhabit is grounded in a natural truth, right? So you think of like the law of gravity, right? A lot of those laws exist, but they exist in, you know, other spheres too. It's like, what, you know, what is, um, you know, what are the limits of our physical reality? The second is what is the goal of life? Well, that in my mind, it's to flourish. And it's kind of like a abstract term, but to me, flourishing, it's a really good encapsulation, right? You think of everything that's alive on the planet today, like is a continuation of something that came before everything that's dead is stopped existing. Right. And so you, we can very easily conclude that just life is a thing that continues. It flourishes, but it's not just a singular thing. It's not like we're trying to get one person to live forever. We're trying to get the ideas, uh, the genetics, right. The, the, the culture, all of these things that are healthy, that helps life continue to perpetuate in a good way. And a lot of times that is around cooperation and synergy, right? Uh, so it's it's not just about kind of dominance and, and competition, although that's an element, of it, right? All these things have to balance, but we're it ultimately it's all oriented towards flourishing. And so if we have a, a, a set of rules, if we have a goal, that's basically a game. And in any game, you have strategies, right? And some strategies based on the rules and the goal are going to be better than others. You think of chess, right? There is a set of a certain openings and outside of those, you're really not optimizing. You're not making good moves. And I think it's the same with life. That's kind of the idea here is naturalism basically states there are better ways to live than others objectively. Yeah. Right. I like, think that's what being that's healthy what you know, being right. fat is not an objectively good way to live your life. Right. Um, and so similarly, if we can understand the the truth of those different strategies, if we can you know make decisions that are oriented towards flourishing, that are grounded uh, in these rules, um, and then basically harness the those natural patterns of strategies that come out of those, we're going to live better, more meaningful lives. So that's that's kind of the idea there. And and again, I, I think you can basically take any idea in the non sphere that really has been perpetuating and holds its weight, and you can tie it back. To this yeah. core concept of natural right. ideal truth well and i think I, I the reason i like the word i think natural, i might have lost you there i'm not hearing you anymore can you not hear me can you not hear me i can hear you fine i think maybe, maybe this is on my end oh yeah i can hear you uh, give me one second i can hear you and i'm like coming through unless i did something go ahead hello can you hear me no try again hello Huh. It's weird. Maybe it's just not coming through my headphones because it's coming through. It's coming through my, uh, my computer. So you can hear me now. Can you hear me? Can you hear me if you take them off? Weird. All right. We're good. Okay. <laughs> Sorry um, about that. No, it's fine. Um, yeah. So no, I think, uh, I, I like the word naturalism a lot and I use the word naturalism a lot and I've actually found, uh, a lot of people in our space love the ideas of the new natural and, you know, acting natural and b believing in naturalism, that naturalism exists, right? Because uh, what we're saying is metaphysically or whatever you want to say, there are actual truths. There are uh, ways that you should live versus that you should not live. Yeah. Whereas I think the world that we have today is essentially saying to us all the time that doesn't exist. There, there is mm. no good or bad. There's no such thing as a good movie or a bad movie. There's just whatever you like. It's whatever. Yeah. You, 
and whatever if you, you didn't like it time. it's not for you <laughs> yeah right right and 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 also uh as long as you're not hurting anybody uh you know it then then it doesn't matter and i mean yeah. you know it, also that's even even if you wanted to be utilitarian about it that's also absurd because anything you mm. do hurts somebody sure. uh but then you know the, the question then becomes like right like what do we believe and i think we're trying to find evidence for that in our strongly held emotions and we're trying mm. to uh say that these strongly held emotions are evolutionarily imputed or if if not evolution certainly and you know that's just one strain of this if not evolutionarily tied into something much deeper than evolution you know if evolution exists at all and so yeah i i love the word natural and i think that that's very true and i think you know astral has a great episode on this changing over to the age of aquarius from the age mm. of uh age of whatever the fish yeah the pisces and <laughs> yeah. so like at the change of an era not only is it the change of an era of like a millennia or whatever it's also the beginning and the end of the zodiac so like the pisces mm. is the end of the zodiac and aquarius is the beginning so like you could say that right now like in the year 2000 more or less we shifted to genuinely an entirely new world and what we're developing i think the reason why we are having these discussions is, you know, if this was a hundred years ago, well, I mean, Nietzsche was pretty much the beginning of this and the end mm. of the old era, but we would be so much more entrenched in the prior ideas of our time. Whereas what you're doing, I think really well is you're trying to really start from scratch. I mean, it's almost like a Descartes Cartesian thing where you're saying like, what, what can we know for starting from absolutely the beginning like what do we actually know where what can we understand is true where can we root ourselves in and i think that that's like kind of why um all of our guys seem so weird and new because they're just we're kind of starting in a completely blank slate so nothing that made sense before really is making sense now again yeah. I mean, and that's the kind of the natural ideas, ide ideals idea, right, is to say that there are these truths that have been kind of captured and, uh, you know, and codified in tradition and culture. They're the things that have been Lindy for a long time. But the, but the problem is, and this is why, you know, I'll end up arguing with a lot of like traditionalists uh, a lot is that we need to adapt them for the modern time. And so I think that's really what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to like get at the essence of what is the objective truth uh, behind a lot of the things that have worked in the past and how do we extract that and then adapt it into the new world? Um, you know, and, and it was funny, you made the, the, the point about evolution and, you know, where is this truth and how do we figure it out and right. how do we know it? Right. And, you know, one of the things that I think um, is important to point out is we have this very uh, physical, biological understanding of evolution. We think, oh, you know, you know, it's really good that we evolved five fingers or like yeah. you think of the Galapagos uh, finches. Right. And they have the different beak shapes. And it was it was very physical adaptations. But I also believe that we had very psychological adaptations. Right. So if you think about it. Um, stories has been a way that humans have uh, passed down knowledge from generation to generation. If you think about Campbell's The Hero's Journey, uh, 
I think of that cycle as a problem solving cycle, right? It is literally the blueprint for how to solve a problem. You're you're in the known world, right? You get the call mm. to adventure, you encounter a problem. The wise old man gives the hero uh, some sort of tool. Usually that's a... Um, you know, a weapon of great power. It, it's that's the knowledge of the past, right? And so the, the hero then ventures out into the chaos and the unknown, right? Has difficulty uh, and then has to go through that death and rebirth cycle. That's the destruction of the old framework that doesn't work and the, the birth of a new framework that's more adapted to solve the problem and then conquers the evil, solves the problem, which, you know, gets some sort of reward and brings that back to the ordered world. And mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the people who would listen to that story and it resonated with them and they kind of captured that knowledge and then applied that in their everyday lives, they were going to be more successful. And so we not only evolved physically, we evolved intellectually to, you know, psychologically to capture these patterns, people who are more likely to pick up on these things that are transcendent um, were more successful. And so when we think about like modern cinema, for example, and we think about like movies that you know, are, are really, really bad, right? You have the Mary Sue <laughs> characters who never have challenge. It's like, and people are like, well, you just don't like Ray Skywalker because she's a girl. And it's like, yeah. no, the reason I don't like Ray Skywalker is she's immediately good at everything. Yeah, she never yeah. tries. There's no interesting element right. to that. And yeah. the reason beyond that that I don't like her is because she is breaking from this core structure that the story is supposed to follow of trial and adversity and growth because as a human being that exists now, my ancestors resonated with that story. And if it's, if it's no longer there, it's not going to be an interesting story for me. Yeah. And so I, I think that's a very important thing is the things that aren't good now, they're not, it's not to, to your point earlier, it's not a subjective taste thing. It's an objective reality thing. It's there is something there beyond that's transcendent. That's no longer there that the left, this kind of woke, um, you know, kind of uh, subjective left has has kind of written out of the stories in pursuit of saying of trying to pursue this delusional message. And there's a reason why, you know, even people who can't put their finger on it just don't like that stuff. Well, so but here the, the thing that I would say that's like slightly, you know, Aren't we still, though, when we say that, right, like when we say that, oh, a story is good because it serves us in some way, right, I mean, in that it, uh, you know, gives us tools to succeed, aren't we still basically, like, accepting this model of evolution that's pretty incomplete? Like, I feel like, I feel like it's like we're trying to say well, it's natural because it helps us succeed. But I think that naturalism is even deeper than that. I mean, it's natural because it it's like it's good. There's not a reason why it's good besides that it is. Like it's, it, you know, the, like it's an end in and of itself. Like good art is an end in and of itself, I think. You know what I mean? Like, like that, that's, that is it. That's what it is. It's beauty, right? Mm-hmm. It versus, no. I mean, I think it also can be the other thing too. I'm not saying it's mutually exclusive. I'm just saying there's something about it that it's like a beautiful building is an end. Like that's the that's that, that's the goal like of it. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what leftists don't understand. They think that they think that everything is a means to an end, mm. or that everything is a means to an end of this 
state of individual freedom where we're going to be, you know, like the perfect uh, combination of our desires is going to be satisfied. Right. But I would say that like a beautiful building, that is the point of life <laughs> in a way, you know what I mean? Like achieving that is the point. Yeah. I mean, so part of this is like, so for example, you think of, you see like a beautiful woman, right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, we can say she's just beautiful. Right. And that's, you know, the, the conclusion or that's, that's the ultimate uh, point. But I, I also think like you, you can certainly say that, but you can also at the same time say there's reasons that she's beautiful, right? Is that, you know, we as human beings evolved to find beauty in things that are robust and healthy and natural. Yes, and so right. the, 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 the beautiful woman is one who, you know, is, is, is healthy, right? She's, she's probably like fertile and all, you know, all those things like the youthful. reason the rosy I mean, cheeks. Yeah. Youthful is undeniable there, right? I mean, yeah. youth. And that's what you really realize when you get older is like how beautiful youth is. That's <laughs> definitely true. Yeah. But, but my point being is, you know, she probably like fits golden ratio memes and uh, means and stuff like that. And like, there's, um, you know, there's, there's elements to that, that you can, you can point to specifically and you can say, Oh, you know, like she's got a healthy amount of body fat or, you know, it's like, she takes care of herself. Yeah. Uh, and so she's well put together and, and, that signals that she's someone who's got, you know, control over her little, you know, sphere of life that she is. And she's well oriented towards like beauty, right? She, she wears, you know, nice dresses. They don't have to be expensive, right? But they're, they're tasteful, right? And so all the ways that she's presenting herself represent these things that from like a very natural sense, we, we would look to, uh, and we, we would want, and again, it's all in service of that higher ideal of flourishing, right? If we, yeah. we want, to be attracted to a good, healthy woman so that we can, we can flourish. Right. No, I, I mean, it's a great conversation to have. And I think, I think, mm. I think you're absolutely right to root so much of what we're doing in this. I think that that's the, the more I've, you know, I've interviewed so many people on this uh, podcast. And I think the thing mm. that, I mean, not so many, but a lot. And the thing that we always come back to is like, I think it is naturalism. I think naturalism is a great way to put it because it's like, that's what we're, we're trying to not learn to, to not unroot ourselves from our connection to the things that we find beautiful and natural and real, uh, et cetera. All that said, you know, resentment, jealousy, those are also real things. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you're going to, you could just as easily, you know, do what leftists do, which is to basically build your life around the resentment of somebody who hurt you, you know, and you're going to spend mm. the rest of your life hating that person. And then I think in some ways, honestly, if we're being honest with ourselves, we are doing that too. I mean, like we're, we are, we are, uh, rejecting the world that we was was sort of given to us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, and I think about this uh, a bunch. You bring up like a good point, right? Like you, know, we talked about that kind of anger that people feel at the system and that desire to kind of tear it down. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think back to when I was when I was first, um, you know, started my my athletic career. Um, I won't, I won't, you know, talk too much about that. I don't want to like get into the the details. Um, yeah. but, um, basically I had, I had a coach, um, and you know, he, he put this workout, uh, for the team and he gave me this number he wanted me to hit. And I was just like, I don't think that's possible. 
uh and he's like well you know there's a lot of people that you know don't think you can, you know he's like this is, sure there's a lot of people that don't think you can do this or you know and and i feel like a lot of my motivation as an athlete was to prove myself right to prove that i was capable of these things that people that didn't necessarily think i was capable of and yeah. so I, I i think like that that energy right you know people talk about like pride being a very dangerous uh emotion or hate or these things and i think that certainly they can if they you get consumed by them right or if they blind you to other things but i also think they're extremely powerful motivators and so i think for us a lot of a lot of people here you know it's like you can't appreciate the good things unless you've experienced the bad and i, I think that a lot of us in the space to your point are kind of motivated by the the kind of de- degeneracy and kind of the 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 ugliness of the world around us and we're like no, there's something better out there and I want to go and build it. And and I think it's important to to have that desire because I think it's what initially gets people on the on that path. Ideally, I think we want to then orient and, and and say, oh, you know, this beautiful thing is, you know, creating a beautiful thing is how I should define this endeavor as opposed to kind of revenge against this right. other thing. And, right. Know? Instead of spending your entire life trying to uh undermine things i don't know but it's see it's like it's so slippery because then it gets back into like aren't we trying to undermine the thing that has been sort of fed to us right it's like it mm. this is why it gets so this is why honestly i try not to think about my beliefs too much <laughs> like, I, I started it's like i just have to just accept because like if i really start thinking i'm like oh well aren't i just trying to tear down this system that is helping people and i'm just mad that you know blah blah blah, blah, blah. you know you start to have those thoughts and like like how do you avoid that yeah, I mean, one of the ways I think what we're we're building is is you can you can liken it a lot to startups and how startups approach things. So, if for example, say um, I don't know, this is a random example here. Um, one of the things, uh, one of the problems that I've, I was recently talking to some business friends about is that the the healthcare industry, the way that they digitize medical records and you know the software that's built up around that is very bad, right? It, it kind of pigeonholes you in certain ways. It, it doesn't function as well and all of these kinds of things. And one of the ways that you could solve this problem with a startup was is to say, okay, we're going to build something better, right? We're going to talk to all these physicians and doctors and nurses. We're going to understand what's really valuable for them. What are the conditions by which they'd want us to build the software? And we're going to build it. And then we're going to sell it to you know some some small group and they're going to play around with it. They're going to like it. Ideally, they're going to give us feedback and we're going to keep adapting this. We're going to sell this to more people. And eventually what you're doing is you've created something that's better, right? You've created something that is grounded in, in a new understanding. It's using the best tools and strategies and it's going to slowly grow. Uh, in parallel, right? An alternative to the existing um, software that's used. And eventually it's just going to take it over by virtue of the fact that it's better. And that's a lot of how I see what we're doing is where this is a parallel movement. This is a goal is to build something that is alternative, but it is, it's better. It's, it's more evolved. It's more adapted. It uses these better tools and strategies. And Eventually, people are just going to move over to that because they realize that they're going to get more value you know, being part of a naturalist philosophy or, you know, eating healthier, all these other things. And so I don't think of it as something that has to, 
you know, it's like the 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 lion cares not what the, what the sheep yeah. believe, the kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's like we can go and we can create this thing, and by virtue of its superiority, uh, it's going to have success. So, yeah, you know, similarly with the athletic thing, I think you know initially it's about proving yourself. Once you've proven yourself, then it's about aspiring to that higher thing, like you know, proving not to other people but to yourself what's possible or to to exploring what's what's achievable. And I think like that's the the higher goal. And it, it, you know, it's a path. It takes time for people to kind of come to that orientation. But I, I like to see, I, li- I like to believe in this idea that we're kind of transcending this kind of hate-based motivation to this aspirational, higher culture aspiration as we move forward. Yeah. Right. We got to leave that hatred behind. Uh, no, I, I hear you. I, I completely agree. Um, so, all right. So, t- t- like you do these spaces on Twitter. Tell me about your own uh, path towards this. I mean, wh- wh- how did you end <laughs> up here, and how have you been? Where are you in in the in the uh, in the five step program? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the interesting thing with the the the, the journey um, is, I think you're you're constantly cycling through, right? You're constantly thinking about. You know, even when you get to that final step of trying to improve the world around you, you should still like go back and uh, am I still working on self-improvement? You know, I, I'm still creating, right? Like creating is a way to understand yourself, understand the world around you, develop your ideas. It's also a beacon, right? Like the, the creation, the creative works that you put out are going to attract people to you, right? Like you having this podcast, you know, I've yeah. listened to a bunch of your episodes. They're great. I'm like, yeah, like someone I want to talk to. Um so you're always going through that cycle, but for me, it got started. So I, I joined, uh, it's almost a couple, couple years, you know, like two or three years ago around the COVID times. I think a lot of us got online because of COVID, uh, you know, kind of cooped up and you wanted to interact with people. And, you know, for me, I don't want to overlap too much with what other people are doing. I think there's a lot of people who are beating certain drums that need to be beat and that's great. Um, but as I mentioned before, I think we don't really have a clear guide for those who are kind of joining the space, there's people who are talking about really interesting stuff and you can gravitate towards them, but no one has like a, a meta philosophy to these things. Yeah. And so that was my, my initial goal was to say, Hey, look, if, if you're kind of new to the space or you're, you're kind of coming out of this process and you want like a, a way to approach it, that's just going to give you kind of the lay of the land, right. Then, you know, come to the site, read through the stuff, share it with other people, right? This will help you kind of articulate what you're really trying to do. So in my professional sphere, I work um, worked in tech for a while, largely in, in talent acquisition, right? And hiring in the right people, very important. And one of the things I learned very quickly was the there's a huge lack of best practices in talent acquisition, largely because you know recruiters tend to be people who are they're not the best, the best, they, they don't get paid very well. There's not a lot of prestige. And so there's not a lot of, you know, good talent that's like aspiring to be recruiters. And so the recruiting uh, profession has a very big lack of talent in there. And thusly has a very big lack of, you know, best practices and philosophy strategy kind of built around it. But, you know, so when I was approaching these things, you know, I, I thought about it a lot from like, for example, the, the uh, perspective of the candidate, and what candidates can do to better approach the job search. You see like basic stuff like, oh, ask these questions when you're on an interview or, you know, this is how you should write a resume. A lot of its stuff is really bad. And it's and it's very, there's a lack of like comprehensive uh, philosophy around that. And so my thought was, 
you know, you can be a great um, professional, you, you do amazing work, but if you don't know how to approach the job search because it's an unfamiliar domain and there's not a good best practices that you can read about, you're, you're going to kind of flounder around and not really have as much success as you could. And so if I can say, hey, like the first thing you have to do is really target, figure out what, what kind of job you want to pursue, what does that in, entail? And then when you're creating like your resume, you have to make sure that the things that you would expect uh, an employer would want for the role that you're applying for, you need to showcase those in very clear ways, right? And once you start to talk to people about it in those kind of broad concepts, like things will click, right? Is once someone's given you a framework that makes sense, then you can use that framework it becomes very strong. It's like an intellectual tool. And so that's basically what I'm trying to do here in the non space is to say, okay, you're, you're coming over to the space, but you don't have these like broad intellectual tools. So let me, let me give you the, the tool chest that I've gathered, because again, my own awakening experience, extremely painful. I didn't have people to talk to. I didn't have anyone. So for example, like really common examples, like you go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole and you're like, you get into like aliens and stuff like that. And you're like, oh man, are aliens real? Like, you know, what's, what is the government hiding? Are there a bunch of lizard men in the government? Like, you know, what's going on there? <laughs> and what you quickly realize is eh, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it doesn't really change the day-to-day -day decisions that you're making. You still have to make money. You still, you know, want to have a good family and, you know, you want to live a moral life. And so, you know, government, you know, government's hiding aliens or not, it doesn't really matter in your day-to-day. -day. And, uh, you know, I wish I had kind of someone had told me that early on because I spent way too much time going down that rabbit hole or trying to talk to other people about those things. Yes, right? wait. So talk a little bit about this specifically. I, you don't have to say anything very specific, <laughs> but I think I know what you're saying. But what, what exactly do you mean when you say that you tried to do this in different ways and it was very painful? Oh, yeah. So I think one of the things that I talk about uh, in the awakening bit the article that's going to, you know, should launch by the time this podcast goes out. So hopefully I'll have yeah. that out. But um, it's the idea that the reason that you awaken at the time that you do is because you get really passionate, really focused about a specific thing. Right. And you're like, you're, for me, it was, it was the uh, 2016 uh, democratic um, um, primaries between Bernie and Hillary. Um, you know, I grew up uh, liberal. And so, you know, I uh, wasn't really paying too much attention to politics, but 2016 was just the, that was the time that I started paying attention. And it was very clear the bias uh, that the media and the Democratic uh, Democratic like system had towards Hillary over Bernie. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I was like, oh, this doesn't make sense. And I like I came <laughs> across a, a video that some mainstream play that they were saying, oh, this is uh, a Bernie Sanders supporters like throwing this chair. And so this is clear violence, but the real video, the full video circulated online and it shows the person picking up the chair and then putting it down. Right. And I was like, whoa, this is like maliciously cut to spin a specific narrative. And that was yeah. like the, the, the big, like, you know, big moment uh, where like the cracks in the facade just became undeniable to me. Yeah. And, and that's what got me, you know, to question and to like, to think all these things, but that was a very specific moment. And the problem is I can't go and take that moment, take that experience and, and tell someone else who isn't that focused or doesn't care that much and be like, media is lying to you. Like they're spinning narratives, right? They're just gonna be like, whoa, you're a crazy person. Right. Yes. And I think a lot of people experience this when they first awaken is it's like, you see the thing, but it's so hard to get other people to see the thing just because they're not in the right point in their lives where they can see it. Yeah. And when it ends up happening, if you're trying to like push against somebody's 
conception of reality they they either can like you know kind of laugh it off or they can like fight you and that's what it ended up happening to me is like i kind of killed just destroyed a lot of good relationships that i had with people because i was so adamant about this like everyone needs to wake up and we need to like you know you know you know not yeah. trust the media anymore and <laughs> and i realized that just you know do, being like a chicken little and running around saying the sky is falling it does doesn't really yeah. make you a lot of friends and no. so that's that's another big thing that i recommend to people is when they first awaken it's like you know realize that you know, people have been trying to talk about these ideas for a long time. Um, you're not like some new person who's going to like be able to wake up the world. Like you, the first thing you should do is just kind of hang out, learn, listen, kind of focus mostly internally on how do you build yourself up. Um, and then, you know, if you are going to have conversations with people, be very Socratic, right? You just be like, oh, why do you believe that? Or, you know, yeah. um, and, and realize that everyone in their own time will come to their own place. The other thing too is I think a lot of people end up souring relationships with their family. I know, you know, it's put a lot of strain on my relationship I have with my parents. I've been building that back up and that's been good, but uh, you know, I don't think uh, my parents are ever going to to shift their political views. And so <laughs> a lot of, a lot of what I approach those relationships now is more about like what do we agree on, right? We both we we all we all look good food and traveling and maybe, you know, you know, watching a good movie from time to time. Right. So I, I can still enjoy my time with them, even though we have these very wide, uh, you know, views from uh, on how reality is and what, what works and stuff like that. And so that that's like a big thing for me is I think a lot of people, when they wake and they go through this very messy, uh, experience, uh, and, and it's also, I think a big part of this, is trying to feel like you're understood, right? Because you, when you, for, for me, I felt like I knew that the media was lying, but it was really, but no one around me would kind of, uh, you know, agree with me or, or, and so I felt like, I was like, am I the one who's crazy here? Like, it, or is this way worse than, you know, I thought it was going to be like, you want to get grounding. And I think that's why a lot of people come to to Twitter, to X, right. To have these conversations with other people is they want to feel like, Hey, I'm not crazy. Right. Like this is, you know, there's something going on here it's, or, you know, so people. It, it's not that it's like, no, I mean, I relate to this so mm. intensely, obviously it, to me, it's like, it's, it wasn't that I was crazy and I did the, all the exact same things. You know, I spent so much time in GCs with friends and GCs with family, trying to like make people understand COVID. Right. And like, make yeah. people like, like, <laughs> like, like, look, I'm showing you something that's so obvious. And then they, but the thing is they're so well-trained to have an answer to that. Like if you mm. read the New York times, if you read, uh, any of the mainstream news sources, it's pretty much training them to handle the points that you're going to be making. Right. Yeah. And, yep. and it, it, it does it in the most insanely infuriating way because it's all bullshit. You know I mean? It's like you say, there is no proof that a mask works and they say, well, you know, like, look at this study that says, you know, in this one environment, it does work. And then you know, and so I just got in these cycles with everybody in my life, you know, 85% of the people in my life. Yeah. And it wasn't that I felt crazy. I just felt overcome with constant frustration because I was yeah. just like, <laughs> you. it wasn't that they were not having good answers. It was that they did have good answers. They had great, they had the very, they had like pre-recorded answers mm. to everything that I would say. Of course, did those answers hold up? 
Absolutely not. You know, like over time, they, it just was very obvious that everything they were told was a lie. And, you know, then what do they do? Do they ever <laughs> come to me and say, oh, sorry? No, of course not. They don't do that. So, you know, I, I think that what's really great about what you're doing, what's really great about your work is you're trying to boil down this thing that is probably like pretty new. I mean, I don't, I don't know if there are other generations that have had this, right? I mean, I guess yeah. like, you know, maybe if you're some kind of hardcore white supremacist or some kind of hardcore, you know, uh, what's the Islam or the Hebrew Israelite black supremacy guy, you know, like <laughs> if, if you're part of these like various communities where you're getting really deep, like, sure, there's always going to be like, uh, Oh, they don't understand me type of thing. But this is like on a mass scale, you know, there's, there's how, how many Trump supporters are there, you know, and they all agree with us. There's more Trump supporters. So it's it's a weird time to be we're basically just witnessing the shearing apart of a nation more or less you know yeah. in real time i guess and yeah yeah sorry well i was gonna i was just gonna say like i really like your point right because it's basically we're living in this reality of mass psychosis right and you know it's it's tough because usually things used to change so slowly and, you know, people had culture and tradition and religion to fall back on. And now we're in such a world where, where people change their identities so quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, and I'm not even just talking about like pronouns or anything like that. I'm talking about like, you know, what do you value? What's important to you? How do you identify yourself? What kind of social groups you have, right? Like it's so easy to move around, make new friends, like latch on to new ideas, new hobbies, right? Our ability to be like a fluid uh, human being with all these different interests is is just the, the floodgates are open, right? And you have all of these people who are gravitating towards this mass psychosis. And then you have these people that are questioning it, right? And it's, and it's tough because it's, yeah, you're like, how do I exist in this world, right? I feel like one of the ways I used to feel was like, you, I felt like a, like some sort of undercover, you know, agent where I'm like, you know, how do I like slowly deprogram people around me? Um, and to your point, like when people have answers to this, typically it's because the straw man version of whatever argument we're presenting has been fed to them. And so in their minds, anytime you, you know, you say, oh, you know, like maybe, maybe, you know, it's, this is a similar situation to the opioid epidemic where there's a lot of people that were, you know, slated to make a lot of money off this vaccine and, you know, they kind of rushed it out and, you know, cut some corners and maybe it's not, you know, the, the cure all that they, they think it's going to be. Right. And people are just like, no, like you you don't trust. And like, it's a morality thing. Right. So they have all of these like, you know, go to things. I, I think it's, it's very much an ego thing. Like people don't like admitting that they've put their faith in things that aren't true. Right. They, there's a lot of pride with being, you know, the group who's got the right idea. And, and, um, and it's very easy to, to be in, in that echo chambers too, like, you know, and we always have to be aware of it ourselves, but, um, you know, I, I, getting people being able to exist with people who have these very different point of points of view, it's a necessity, right? We, we kind of have to live with one foot in the mainstream delusion and one foot in the parallel, uh, society, but how do you do that with grace is a very, uh, it's, it's, it, it requires new strategies, new philosophies. Uh, so for example, one of the things I always tell people is like, look, if you are healthy, 
and in good shape and you eat well and you are you know successful in your business and you have good relationships with people you become someone who is admirable and so you don't have to be overt about your politics or your ideology you just stand as a symbol for what your politics and ideology have can manifest which is like a good strong human being and once you've done that, once you've interacted with people and they're like, oh, this person's got their got their shit together and they, you know, they seem pretty stable and I can have a real conversation with them, then they're going to be more, more interested in kind of learning you know, or the right people, right? Not everyone, but the, the right people who you can talk to are going to be interested in learning about that. And I think, you know, that's a big thing is shifting from feeling like you need to tell everyone to just let me become an example of what people should do and let me find other people who are on this wavelength because that's another thing. I think there's a lot of people who get stuck up in the group chats where they're just sharing all the memes, hating on the system. Uh, I think a lot of us kind of are like, all right, cool, we did that. That was fun. But you know, like now let's try to build something, right? Let's let's try to build businesses and network and go like have camping events and uh, you know, like, you know, ideally, you know, make art that that is inspiring and interesting or discuss philosophy. Like that's really the the beautiful thing is it's the awakening is a chance to break out and to go pursue things that are meaningful. And uh, yeah, I definitely want more people to do that. Right. But I realize that you, you can't, you can't lead, uh, you can, you can lead horses to water. You can shout at them all you want, but you, you really can't make people drink until they're ready. Sorry. I think that that's really good that you are tackling that. I mean, I, I you're right that, um, you know, the, it's very easy to just like um, not care about how you look because you're so angry at the thing that you're fighting, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that you're just like, well, fuck that. I hate them so much anyway. What does it matter what I look like? And so I think it's really good that you're sticking with that. I mean, I think uh, somebody posed a question or Benjamin Boyce posed the question to me and you know he does this thing where he like stares at you and he asks you like really <laughs> he goes like what about this thing and he like really stares mm. at you uh and so he was put, putting to me like a, a bunch of times um well how do you not become just as bad as you know the people that you're going against what's really going to make you any different how are you not going to then exclude people and you know, be an Alinskyite. This is the biggest risk. I've talked to so many people, and I'm I've been guilty of this myself at certain times because I'm just so angry of being like, well, I'm gonna be an Alinskyite. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be means to an end. I'm gonna do whatever it takes, right? To to uh, make my enemies embarrassed. And it's very easy to like um sort of slip into that occasionally when you're angry, but Ultimately, we do have to be better, I guess. You know, I mean, I guess we do. I, I don't know. Do we like I guess we we do it in certain ways have to stick with our beliefs if we're ever going to actually get anywhere. You know, I mean, it's like mm. I guess it's like kind of like a thug life thing. You know, it's like <laughs> uh, if you you got to live the thug life, you can't you can't be fake. You know, you got to you got to really mm. like mean it. And, you, and if what we're saying is that we believe in a natural world where thriving is treating yourself right, um, creating things, doing the work um, and not manipulating people. You know, I, I think that that's like, I guess, kind of what we're, we, we need to live by that code also. 
in a way. Yeah, no, but you bring up a really good point, right? And and we, we I think we touched a little bit on this is this idea of morality, right? Yeah. And um there was this interesting uh post it was like you, I'm sure you've heard of like Destiny, he's the, you know, the uh he's like the weird guy that's like married but his wife sleeps with it around and he sleeps oh, yeah. around <laughs> yeah. and he's yeah, like yeah, the yeah, streamer, yeah. right? Like yeah. he stands for like everything that I despise. Yeah. <laughs> uh but he had, yeah. he had put out something where he was like discussing with with some uh religious fundamentalist and he was saying like well look like everyone always says their morality comes from god and what if you have conflicting moralities like how do you justify oh, yeah. that and you know one of the one of the things that i um you know I, I wrote like a long form response tweet to this and you know my my basic point was a lot of people are limited in the way that they understand morality because they think of it as just a set rules that are immutable and unbreakable right they say thou shall not kill right and of course we can think of plenty of like self-defense cases where you know it's very yeah. justified to use deadly force to protect yourself right yeah, yeah. and so the question becomes is it's not just in a vacuum like what do we want to be right i think that's an important question to answer right but it's also how do we exist in the metagame of how everyone else acts around us, right? And I think this is to this is to your point, right? And this is why, to some degree, we can't completely break from the mainstream delusion. We have to live the foot in both worlds. Is that, you know, if we live in a high trust society, sure, we can leave our doors unlocked and we can, you know, uh, walk around unarmed and stuff like that. But if we live in a low trust society, we should be locking those doors, right? And that's, I think, like a big thing that people uh, kind of fail to think about is is that, you know, it, it's more complicated than just, you know, having this kind of Puritan view of, of what we should achieve. Like we have to be practical. Uh, we have to be thoughtful about this stuff. So, so that's that's one point. And then the, and the, the other thing, too, um, I like had it for a second in my head. I might have lost yeah. it. Uh, this happens every once in a while when you, you're having like a good conversation. You're like, oh, this point, that point. Yeah. Um, no worries. What was it? Yeah, I might have lost it. But anyway, so the yeah, the point being on on the morality thing is is you have to you have to be able to kind of adjust and and make decisions um for yourself. And I and I do think that you know there's going to be situations where you looked at um who's that who's that guy who like subdued the the homeless black felon that was like harassing people yeah, on the subway. Daniel Penny Daniel. Yeah. Penny. Yeah. And and to me, it's kind of like. You know, we have this mainstream view of, uh, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you the leftists who are like looking at him and they're like, oh, you know, he's horrible. And, you know, that 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 guy just needed more, you know, he's limited in his socioeconomic resources and all this kind yeah. of stuff. And it's like, yeah. look, at, at a certain point, um, you know, this this is going to clash. But I think for us, it's like, how do we like I'm very lucky in, in the the fact that I live in a nice neighborhood and I don't have to worry about this stuff and I don't have to make that kind of hard decision. But, you know, when the rubber meets the road, it's like, how are we actually going to, to be able to, to move it forward? And I think as long as we can, we need to be doing the right stuff. We need to be trying to build good things. We try to be acting, but I also think like there's, there's a certain point where, um, you know, we have to be able to kind of stand up for things. And even if it breaks these conventions of morality, like we, we have to be able to, to fight against that. And so here, here's, here's what it was. It's like, you know, that idea, it's like the Batman ethos problem, right. Where he's like a vigilante, but he's like, you won't kill anyone. Right. Cause that's a line that he won't cross. And then there's this really, one of my favorite, um, Batman animated movies was, um, uh, 
forget the one it's called but it's, it's when i think it's just called the red hood and it's uh basically the whole the whole ethos the whole the storyline of the red hood is that um one of the original robins i think it's um uh dick grayson he gets um or is it jason todd or what one of the original robins gets killed by the joker and it's kind of Ra's al Ghul's fault. And so Ra's al Ghul like throws him in the regeneration pit. And uh, this Robin comes back, but he's kind of like they're like he might be crazy or mad, but he escapes. And then later he shows up in Gotham and he's the Red Hood and he's using violence to you know, quell. Yeah. So he's he's using violence to quell the, the gangs and he still has an ethos. He's like, don't deal drugs to kids. And but he's all of this is to get the joker out of prison so he can kill the joker mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so that the, the climax of the movie is uh batman and and uh the red hood are kind of in this confrontation with the joker there and he's basically saying like i understand your ethos but like think of the graveyards the joker has filled like wouldn't it have just been better to kill him um and batman's like i can't pass that you know that that line because then i'm no better than he is right and in my mind I'm I'm actually with the red hood on this one, right? Like I think that there is a certain point where those lines need to be crossed. Um, I'm not advocating for this. I don't, I don't know. Maybe you want to like cut this out of the podcast yeah, no, or something not, like you're that. Not but like, you're not saying anything about that. But but you know it's it's but I, I think it's a very serious question. It's a reason that it's such a like a, a question that is embedded in a lot of these stories is like what is the moral line? Like at what point are you no better than you know the other people who are living outside of society? And in my mind, it is when society is no longer driving uh, the the laws and the rules in a just way. That kind of you know whether you say it's derived from God or nature. But, you know, we see this now with, you know, what's happening in in the mainstream around Trump with like the lawfare that he's going under. Right. It's like very clear that this system is being used uh, by bad people with bad intentions. And, you know, and so if you have laws that are protecting bad people, like what what um, obligation do we have as moral people to follow those laws? It's a complicated question. I'm not saying that I have the answers, but I, I think that you can't look at laws in life as if they're laws of nature right like gravity you can't argue with gravity right but there's certain laws out there where you know we we disagree and there's plenty of memes about like the ones where you like you can't have like a pickle in your pocket or i don't know if you've ever seen those like those ones where they just find these old ridiculous laws that somehow still exist and yeah, 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 yeah yeah and i think you know, so there's the ridiculous laws on one side of the spectrum. There's the ones that make sense on the other. I think we're starting to edge closer towards more and more ridiculous laws or more and more laws that are just kind of out of it. And and so I think the the solution to that, at least on an individual level, is to, you know, become as strong a person as you can so you can, you know, transcend and not have to worry about these situations and and so that you can push back when when you know, the world is trying to take advantage of you through these means, right? You have to serve that higher purpose. And that's that's another big part of what I try to advocate for with people is try to aspire to these spiritual ideals and realize that the the laws of man in the material world are not um, they're not as concrete as the laws of nature. And uh, I think we have a higher obligation to those those higher laws. Yeah, well, this is appeal to heaven, right? This is essentially the appeal to heaven idea. Do you know? Are you familiar with that? I think I've I've started to talk about this idea more, and I think I've heard people reference that. So one of the first flags uh, that the United States Revolution had was the the pine tree flag, and it says "Appeal to Heaven" on it. Hmm. 
and appeal to heaven is a lock John Lockean concept that is exactly that. It's like you run out of appeals in your society. And if nobody is listening to you anymore, you have nowhere to go, but you know, to, to, to the higher, the next person up, which is God. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that that, that makes no sense. All right. Before you go, let me ask you this. So has, I, you know, I know that you're trying to you know, connect the dots around here and stuff. And uh, I did the same. I mean, it's so funny when I first joined and this really wasn't really that long ago when I first rejoined, I was sending like anonymous frogs messages being like, <laughs> let's meet up. You know, and they were, of course, like, fuck you. Like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> and so have you faced any of that? I mean, are people saying to you, like, who the hell are you? Like, are you, you know, are you getting pushback for trying to, like, you know, be a facilitator here in any way or? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's interesting because I think yeah, this will be a little bit of a longer question, to, but I'll, I'll wrap around to answering that. Um this will be a little bit of a longer answer, but I'll wrap around, around to getting to the question directly. But one of the ways I see things is you have your kind of true believers, right? Who People who really understand this at that kind of higher dimensional level, right? Um, a lot of times when, when you when you think of the bad people in the space, it's I break them into two categories. You have your like actual malicious bad actors, right? It's like, you know, dissident groups trying to infiltrate and like derail. Uh, but then you also have just people who maybe they're they're a little too consumed by hate. They're going to do things that are you know not good opsec wise. Um, they have very low resolution understanding of what's going on. And I think the more you uh, establish yourself as someone who has these kind of higher inspirational ideals, right? These these spiritual level goals of like I'm I you know I don't care about fame and fortune. Like I see those as you know, getting more notoriety and getting more like, you know, uh, economical power and stuff like that. That's helpful to further this cause and, and get those ideas out there. But that's not the, you know, that's not the the thing that I'm after, right? I'm, I'm after something that, that that is transcendent. And I think that if you talk enough about that, people can kind of pick up that you have that understanding, that you have that aspiration, um, especially if you're trying to like build new things in, in a direction that people haven't done before. And, and I think that that's the advantage that I have is that, you know, I was very authentic when I came into the space. I didn't really have any aspirations for what I could achieve here. I was just like, I want to get this guide out. I want to help other people go through the awakening experience with less pain than I did. And as I started to write this stuff, you know, I ran into a lot of people who agree with me, other big thinkers, uh, a lot of really great accounts and, you know, started to, to make these connections and build these relationships. And once you've kind of established yourself and once you've built that reputation up to enough of a degree, like people respect that. And then you also, you, you gain a methodology for it. I'm, I'm very respectful of OPSEC and yeah. you know, I never ask people to, to dox themselves. It's usually like, Hey, let's have a conversation. And, but yeah, slowly been building a, a pretty extensive network. I think, you know, it's how we met. Um, and you know, you, you, you were kind enough to introduce me to a few other people that you, you know, and, uh, you know, one of the guys I'm sure he wouldn't mind me mentioning is yeah. Thaddeus, who's great on the timeline. He's, he's very wholesome now. He just, just chats about, swing dancing and uh you know getting <laughs> yeah, jacked yeah. all the time which is great yeah. um yeah i like I, his swing i really do like his swing dancing uh <laughs> like his swing dancing content it's very good it's very yeah. healthy you know it's uh, dancing yeah. is important i'm a huge dancing advocate yeah it was funny because when i when i went out uh to visit him 
um, we were, we were doing a little bit of a bar crawl and just having a good philosophical discussions and just, just getting to know each other a little bit. And the last bar that we ended up is, uh, where, where we met his, uh, his current girlfriend. And, uh, so I was like winging him a little bit and, uh, you know, we were chatting with her. She just seems like amazing girl, very down to earth, you know, wants to have a big family and kids and, uh, you know, and so it was, it was perfect for him. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll see him post the swing dancing stuff and he's dancing with this girl and I'm just like, Oh, that's, that's such a, that's such a wholesome romantic story. You know, it's good to see one of our guys like living the dream a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but to kind of get back to the whole, you know, networking thing, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going, going to be out to some other places, uh, in the not so distant future, I'm, I've been meeting with people, um, launching some stuff uh, on my side as well. And, yeah, I think basically there's a lot of people in the space who are like, look, we've talked about this enough, right? We kind of know what needs to get done. We need to start doing stuff in the real world. And I think a lot of people resonate with the idea of like, it's not about going and, in, 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 you know, being subversive or dissident uh, against the system that we don't like. It's let's go out, let's build things that we do. Um, yeah. So you see a lot of people getting into the education and, you know, r- writing out good curriculums and encouraging people to read great authors. Uh, yeah, you, you've got publishing companies, you got what you're doing, right? Like there's so many great, uh, you know, actual real world efforts that are being built. And there's an insane amount of brain power in in the the anonymous sphere there's so many guys who it's the people who kind of figured out that there was this mainstream delusion they figured out they wanted something more they came to x they came to twitter they started putting out good ideas in the timeline and having interesting discussions like those you can think of it as a the, their filters right and so the people who are kind of here in the space and doing stuff like they're of a certain high quality and a lot of these people are you know, they're, they're running their own little business or they got some big thing going or, you know, they're a very smart professional and you, you network these people together, you start building stuff. There's so much potential there. So, you know, it's it's really exciting to start to see that coming together. Um, and I think that we're going to start to see some alternatives. And this is important, too, because while we might be kind of the the vanguard, right, the people who are kind of creating that new space, I think that as we go, there's going to be a lot of people who once they have something to uh, transition to, right? Once they have an alternative that's clearly defined that they can see and they can see the value of, they're going to be much more interested. And so I think we're just, we're the beginning of a, of a tipping point and we're really developing the space. It's very exciting to be here. I totally agree. I mean, I think it's a, it's an interesting time. I mean, there's definitely times, you know, the, the thing about, uh, this is something I would, you know, for anybody listening to this, who's like trying to get into our thing, it's funny how um, some people who are big names absolutely don't care about being doxxed at all. And then some people who are smaller names are like 10 out of 10 perfect OPSEC, you know? And (laughs) again, like I've been totally respectful of, of everybody. I mean, I feel a little, you know, uh, weird sometimes because I'm going around, I mean, like I'm doing PR and marketing now. So that means you know, this is the difficult thing, right? Because it starts to get into, once you start doing PR and marketing with people, having events, sending people shit, uh, paying people, paying people, then, I mean, thank God we have crypto, but, but uh, you know, how long is that going to go? 
And, you know, I'm asking people for their information all the time. And luckily, you know, I, I have enough of a reputation and I have, you know, enough people have doxxed themselves to me and then nothing has happened that I, people trust me. But, you know, it's it's very tough to to get to that point, because if you just come in swinging around, like I'm actually amazed mm. more people didn't just say like. I'm I'm kind of amazed I didn't just get immediately written off because <laughs> like I was so dumb and like the things I was saying were so like suspicious like I'm really shocked even to this day that like people weren't were so tolerant of me you know uh and mm. yeah so but I I don't know I mean I think uh with with Bap revealing himself I feel like, do you think that that's kind of like put pressure on on the system to be a little less uh worried about that stuff or no yeah i mean it's a good question i mean the the first thing that i'll tell people when it comes to like opsec and and you know raw egg has talked a lot about this and i really respect his opinion on this he's been in the space for a long time he really knows what he's doing when it comes to this stuff is figure out what you you at an individual level are comfortable with right because if you like the danger around uh, you know, putting your real name out with with your actual content is that, you know, you're going to invite attention, right? So you have to be careful about that. You have to know what the potential repercussions is. I mean, I think the nice thing is we're starting to get to a point where the 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 non sphere is robust enough that we can, if someone does have their life destroyed by a doxing or something like that, then they can they can still land on their feet which is good, but I I don't think it's a risk everyone should take or everyone needs to take. And so I think that, um, you know, while we are kind of moving in that direction, people have to be individually conscious of what they want, what risks they're willing to take on. The second thing is a a largely, and one of one of my good friends says this, he'll know who, uh, I'm, I'm quoting, but, uh, we're largely hiding, hiding from our friends. You know, I think that there's few, far fewer kind of enemies and landmines, uh, out there than we think. And, um, you know, making like, and, and again, we're not going to be able to have the success we want to achieve unless we start kind of c- coming out and, and being willing to, to trust people. And I think, you know, take your time getting to know and tr- to trust people. I think part of the reason that you've had success is because, you know, you, to your point, like you've had, uh, relationships with people in the space and, you know, they, they've through time, you know, nothing's, co- nothing bad has come of that. And so they can say, Hey, this is someone who's trustworthy. Um, and so I, I think that's another big thing, but ultimately I think it's also very helpful. Like, so for example, like I have no plans when I first got into the space, I was like, maybe I will, who knows? I think largely for me, I'm, I'm going to stay a non just because, um, I think that, um, in some spheres it's, it's helpful because people are like, okay, like you've been able to ma- maintain an on- an- anonymity and you're still connected in with people. And so, but I, I think. And then I think that the network itself needs a a diverse group of people. I call it biodiversity. Try to get away from the negative <laughs> connotation of regular diversity, but Twitter the biodiversity of of yeah. strategy of network position. Right, we need people who are, you know, have their face out there and they're fighting the fight very publicly. And then we need people who are in the background, um, you know, kind of providing good ideas and and putting them in the network, but maybe not being as kind of uh, overtly involved involved and. So, so I think that's the big thing for me is everyone absolutely has a right to kind of decide for themselves, be thoughtful about it. But I do, I would encourage people to, if you have good relationships with mutuals and, you know, and you, you, you know, that, that 
the risk is often worth the reward here because you're you're starting to connect into to people who you know again the anon sphere has such a high quality of talent uh and the potential for synergy there is huge and if so if we can start kind of being careful and smart about opsec but starting to connect high quality people with this shared ethos uh, what we can achieve is is uh you know the sky's the limit well and absolutely i mean so pr or sorry hr people know you know recruiters know that especially in this like longhouse world it is so hard to get talent and it's hard to get oh, talent yeah. onboarded I mean, just getting onboarded to one of these people places costs thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, and that's to, just to be like a freelancer. They got to put you through 17 different SaaS programs. You know, <laughs> th there's a million different buttons you got to click. They can't get talent up and running. And anybody who is talented fucking hates them, you know, because anybody who has any actual talent is like, fuck this place, you know? And so more, more and more uh, guys are just leaving. Like I can hire people for so cheap. I know we've talked about this, but I can hire people for cheap, at least for now, because they're like, man, I would so much rather work in an environment where I can just create things and not have to do dumb, stupid shit all day and talk about cats uh, <laughs> than, you know, have to do that. People would rather make less money. I think for the most part, you know, with, with some exceptions, of course, but sure. uh, you got to pay the yeah. bills, but yeah, yeah. no. And, and, and you, you know, you bring up a good point. There was uh, I think it was like John Carter on Twitter uh, put out this article recently that, that went pretty viral. That was talking about how inside the S and P 100, only 6% of those people who were hired were white men. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so like you're seeing this, um, you know, and, and I largely blame the boomers for, for, you know, laying out the, allowing the legislation and then the, you know, and the culture to, to evolve to this point, but you're seeing this, uh, especially in tech where they're, they're pushing out all of these talented people. They're basically, you know, it's like very much, I always say that the, the best way to understand what's happening in the mainstream delusion is just take what should be natural and flip it on its head. And, you know, and and take everything they're saying and, you know, think of think of it in the opposite. Right. And they're saying, oh, we're being so inclusive. And in fact, they're discriminating against, you know, white dudes. And yeah. but but there's a lot of talent in that space. There's a lot of very smart guys. And um, I think that they're starting to realize that, hey, I'm not happy in the work a day nine to five tech sphere. I'm not working with smart people who share my ethos and passion and. Yeah, to your point, like a lot of these guys are saying, like, look, like money, as long as I can pay the bills, like I'd much rather work with other people on things that I believe in. And I think part of the the issue that we've had for a long time is again, if, if the network's so opsec, uh, you know, it's kind of like strangled by opsec consideration that, you know, we're not gonna network together, then it's really hard for us to to catch those people. But as the network becomes more robust and we're a little bit, you know, we're smarter and we kind of use different tech tools that allow anonymity and we're using crypto and stuff like that. Yeah. We really start to network people together and, you know, we can bring, like I've met, there's this one account. Um, I'm going to shamelessly shill him. His name is space age maximalist. I would call him Sam. Um, very small account ran into him in, in a space with, with grill time. And uh, the guy's brilliant. Uh, um, you know, big ambitions for for space and uh he talks oh, yeah, about curie to the you know this guy. Okay. yeah yeah his stuff's great he's he recently uh started a podcast 
Nice. Um, you got uh, Kakar Kulak on. They had a nice long conversation. But his like initial launch, his vibe is, we, you know, there's all of these really smart engineers out there. And they have this kind of view that, oh, you know, the woke mind virus isn't really going to invade the stems and, you know, we'll be fine. We'll still be able to do science. But his realization was like, no, that's not the case. Like, you know, it's coming for everyone. It's coming for everything. Um, you look at like how much, you know, even now, like the government's attacking like X and Elon and they've attacked SpaceX and stuff like that. And so he's trying to kind of get the, uh, the, you know, these, these big brain engineer autists to, to network together and to, to kind of pull in the, in the right direction. And, you know, uh, for me, like the fact that he comes to this space very new with a lot of these really great ideas and a lot of this ambition and, you know, other guys in the space can recognize that can pull him into the network can connect him with other people. Right. Like that's the power that we have here is we have this kind of underground, you know, aristocratic intellectual elite, and we we all can kind of recognize good value and, and we can pull it in and we can get it to a place where it's creating value for us and the system and you know it's it's enjoying that the value that it's creating right and uh i think that's really the exciting thing for me going forward and thinking about what we're going to build is make a lot of people's lives better not just our own in the anon sphere but the the businesses that we can create the solutions that we can come up with these are going to be downstream to society broadly and you know, I, I like to think that we're building that that kind of human life oriented naturalist future. And and a lot of people, if we do this the right way and we and we're successful, you know, historians will look back and they'll say, hey, you know, these guys really founded kind of a new um, a new way that that enabled kind of that next phase of humanity, that that reaching towards the stars. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm excited to be a part of it. I think we'll be like the futurists, the Italian futurists. That's sort of <laughs> my, uh, that's my prediction, but okay, mm. cool, man. Thank you so much. Uh, this was really great. I'll obviously put everything in the show notes. So um, when are you going to be releasing the website? So why don't you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to uh, put my head down and uh, do a little bit of writing uh, the next week or so. And, and uh, you know, I'll probably open the website up Um before this podcast goes live, uh, so you won't have to go through the the password protection that I have on it now. It, it's might, not going to have everything that I want up there. I'm always like way more ambitious about getting these things done than uh, than I can actually uh, you know deliver on. But uh, that should be up uh, relatively soon, and I, I think people will appreciate uh, the way it's kind of structured and laid out. It's it's meant to be very informative, and then I do have a, a podcast that's coming out. Uh, so, uh, something to look forward to already recorded with, uh, raw nationalist and with okay. Uberboyo. Um, I've got some other people on the docket trying to get, uh, Lucas in and zero has talked a little bit about, uh, and I've talked about a little bit about having him on. So I'm trying to, trying to get some of the big, the big brain accounts, uh, in and, and having these conversations. Um, but in largely that podcast is going to be focused on effectively what we've talked about here, which is, you know, how do we build that parallel society how do we organize people how do we orient them right what is the ethos the philosophy we should aspire to what are the questions that we should be asking um and is hopefully lucas people will find that it's so freak yes <laughs> so who is lucas i think he i like who is this guy i've like seen him around i don't yeah yeah i don't I, i'm not gonna i'm gonna, gonna like pull back the curtain too much no on, of course not because uh I, I love his stuff he's very um what I love about Lucas is 
he really understands how to um like how to talk to people, how to how to engage people, how to get them thinking and asking questions, putting things in funny ways that get that gets people thinking. I think he's just a brilliant uh creator. Uh, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever talked to. Um oh, right. he's uh Lucas. Yeah. But uh and and it's it's interesting, right? Because some in the urban assembly. Yeah, so he's 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 uh you know he's making the rounds himself. He he's one of the guys that I talked to and really solidified that idea in my mind where it's like look if you if you come to twitter if you're or x and you're creating content you're building these relationships in this network and then you don't do anything with it it's like what are you really doing um and so i think he he also has this kind of ambition to you know how can i how can he use his content his his platform to build things that he believes in um i know he's very interested in healthcare um, you know, he had this really some one of his best threads was uh, he got bit by a raccoon and uh, went to the doctor. It got like infected and they were like, yeah, we can give you some antibiotics, but we might have to cut this thing off. And he started to do a ton of research. He found out this stuff about like red light uh, therapy. And um, so he just put his hand under like a, a like a red chicken light for like hours yeah. and uh, ended up killing all the bacteria and the infection went away and, you know, totally healed up. No, no problem. So. He's really curious about that kind of like cutting edge health tech research stuff. He's also very involved in the whole Milady stuff. And he's yeah. been uh, kind of dealing with the fallout around that because he's like, he's, you know, he he was in it for the right reasons. He wasn't making any like crazy money or anything like that. And so when that whole thing happened, he was like trying to, you know, help that not yeah. implode. Because I think he really cares about the the base there. Yeah. Um so he, he's a very interesting guy. He's involved in, in, a, in a good amount of stuff. He also won like best looking physique a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. So I was talking to him about lifting and he's like, yeah, man, I'm nowhere near where I used to be. I can only like uh, rep like 12, uh, the the two plates uh, 16 times now or something like that. <laughs> uh, I was like, I was like only. Oh, OK. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So yeah. 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 Very physically in good shape. Very, uh, very interesting intellectual guy. And uh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward, forward to the conversation now. with him. Yeah, I'm looking forward to meet this guy. All right. I got to run. But uh, th- this was great, man. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I'll post it soon and I'll, uh, I'll I'll put everything in there. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Anyone who's listening, check out metaprime001.com or I'm on Twitter at metaprime001. And uh, yeah, Isaac, really appreciate you you know, having me on it's a really interesting conversation and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, we'll be in touch, man. I'll see you in the, in the digital uh, cyberspace. Cool, man. Talk to you soon.